What's going on, guys, and welcome back. Today, we're going to be breaking down Proxima Midnight, the new card that comes out on Tuesday. New cards like Moon Knight Swordmaster have a lot more play, and is she going to have synergy with Corvus Glaive? We're going to break down, is this card essential for discard or completely worth skipping? We're also talking about our five most loved cards this season and hated cards. Is Hella on our love or hate list? And then lastly, guys, we're going to be talking about the best decks right now in Marvel Snap. It's Infinity Conquest, so we're going to cover all the decks that you should be playing and that are by far performing the best before the next OTA. We're going to talk about that all today more in this episode of the Snapchat. And as always, I am joined by Mr. Alex Kocha. Hello, my friend. We enter the last week of the Black Order season coming off Corvus Glaive, heading into his wife Proxima Midnight. How are you enjoying Hella Snap? Are you enjoying the game right now? And what's going on this fine Monday? <laughs> I love Hella Snap. That is so well played, Cozy. That's exactly what it feels like right now, right? There's a Hella, a lot of Hella, and uh, it's it's been pretty wild. And it's so funny because, like, yes, there's been some changes to like improve Hella's viability in the meta. But ultimately, it's like the cards kind of been the same for a while. Like, have we just been sleeping on Hella for like months or what? Okay, I want to start here. Like in Marvel Snap, right? Would you consider yourself a lucky player or an unlucky player, right? Like you've had enough stuff happen to you where the X-Mansion flops, hella, right? Just as like infinite, left side, you need to win. Are you lucky or not? I'm asking the viewers this too. I'll give it to you first, then I'll answer. I'm the unluckiest player in Marvel Snap. There's no question about <laughs> it. Like I, I am built to tilt. Like there is no luck at whatsoever in my game plan. That's why I play everything on curve. I leave nothing to chance. I just can't. If I, if I need to top deck something, like if Modoc, if it's turn five and I'm like, I need that Modoc. No, I'm getting the one rock that they put in with the Korg, right? Like, it's like, no, there's no luck for me. I feel like I have decent location luck, right? Like, not maybe not X-Mansion, but like if Subterranea comes up, I'm like, okay, I only got like a rock this turn. Hella, though, I can't do it. I can't. She's got something against me. I'm watching other players, and it, again, it's like, Infinite, Giganto, Black Cat. And I'm over here, you know, just hoping for the best, discarding her to hell. Or she's like, hey, let's triple stack this location. How about that? And just give you the loss anyway. I, I am too unlucky to play Hella, is my consensus. I actually had a highlight in a recent video where somebody like like literally jubileed into a lockjaw, pulled a rock, and then pulled Hella, hit everything absolutely picture perfect, beat me by one point. I'm like, yeah, this is what uninstallation looks like. I need <laughs> to get up and walk away for a minute because I am unbelievably tilted. Well, I would say with Agatha. I am lucky, though. If I have Agatha by my side, I, I got a little bit of extra luck, but I think it's a game throwing me like a nod. Like, Ego hates me. Ego absolutely hates me. District X hates me, too, every single time. It's like, hey, here's a couple cards you'll never play. Maybe, like, a Destroyer or something. What about, like, the Raft? You get, like, good Raft stuff? No, no. I always get Destroyer. <laughs> no. Every single yeah, every time. time. It's always Infinite. Destroyer. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I get Leader and I get excited because Leader's like such a great freebie. You know what I mean? It's oh, such yeah, a yeah. great zero-cost card. <laughs> yeah, I got the whole uh, the no, other day. Usually it's like Destroyer. Okay, okay. Well, buddy, we got a good week of Marvel Snap ahead. You know, some fun subjects as we hit into Infinity Conquest week. We're going to obviously talk about some of the best decks in the game right now for people to be playing and also just some cards we've liked over the season. Alex, what are we talking about on your side of the Snapchat? We're going to be talking about Corvus Glaive and given our final rankings, it's been a very surprising card and I think we're going to have a really fun discussion about it. Then we're going to be discussing our top 10 discard cards in Marvel Snap in ranked order. It's discard season and we've got some opinions on who's on the top and who's on the bottom. And then of course... As with every week, the Snapchat mailbag. Last week, man, last week of the season, really hopeful for March. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling the no OTA. It definitely, it, it hits hard. Uh, you know, I know we do this next week, but Black Order season as a whole, uh, what has been your enjoyment factor? 
I've enjoyed it. I think these cards have been pretty fun. Like so far, like my favorite, uh, Proxima has not been released yet, obviously, but I actually really like the simplicity of Call Obsidian. Like I yeah. think that was such a good addition to the game. And uh, like I, I've liked it. I've liked the design of the cards. I really have. And uh, Super Giant, I think, is like a, th a thinking man's card. And then you have like Call Obsidian, which is just like, now nah, all the all the mental energy I, <laughs> I put into Super Giant, I don't need it anymore. Let's just put down some 10 power. I like that. I hope that, you know, we had that with Grandmaster a little bit. I hope we do that. I, I like that in the seasons, right? Like you have one like complex card, one simple. But <laughs> guys, we'll do it next week. But between Pixie and Hope Summers, both in the same week, God help us. It's going to be absolute mayhem. That's going to be the shakeup. If you guys are waiting for some just pure madness, that's going to be it. Let's talk about Proxima Midnight, though. I mean, obviously, we talked about Corvus. You might think there's not a lot to talk about, but there's a couple of cards, not only cards, but just discard in general that we didn't talk about. We wanted to say for this episode, Alex. Proxima Midnight, she comes alongside, in my opinion, one of those spotlight weeks where you're just hoping, I want to get away with the Proxima, and that's it. I hope I can just pull her one key and get out. Dokken and Modok. Obviously, if you don't have Modok, sure, we've been saying that for a while, but pretty, pretty bad week, in my opinion. It is. It's a bit on the weaker side, and they're obviously Series 4 cards as well, right? Dokken yes. Series 4, too, I believe. So the actual trade-off on like value there for your spotlight key is a little lower. So this is one of those like you should probably use tokens week if like you, you know, you you have the tokens to spare and like Proxima is the only card you're missing for the week. I would definitely agree. And Modok's one of those cards that I don't know about you, but like every variant seems terrible. Except for the Pixel one. The Pixel one's the only one I want. I still haven't pulled it. Of all the Pixel ones, you know, I want that that absolute diarrhea Pixel one. He's just not a good looking thing. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if a variant could do it justice. I mean, we've got the. Have you seen the art germ takeover coming with the shirt? I've not actually seen any of the cards that are coming, but like, Check I've, got, uh, I've got gold ready. Look at this, guys. For those that are watching, here it is. This is coming an art germ takeover. Some of the most. I don't know what the word zesty, maybe. I don't know. But I mean, look at that Killmonger alone. Magic in the middle. You have Dazzler. And then we have a couple of these that are already in game, but there are several new variants coming. None of the, like, can you imagine a sexy Modoc? What does that look like? It looks like Killmonger, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Dude, that's no, terrifying. I have no idea, man. That's t absolutely terrifying. Like, just like a eight pack Modoc with a, I, I don't even know. I don't know how to make him sexy. Let's talk about Proxima Midnight. Give our rankings. For those that don't know, she's a four cost card. Zabu says hello. Seven power. When this is discarded, Proxima Midnight jumps to your lowest powered location that isn't. Now, if there's this locations have the same power, she's going to pick one at random. If you have multiple of them, then they act, you know, separately. They don't need to take the same location in, which is also pretty nice. Proxima, buddy. Let's start with the star ratings. What are you thinking? I'm leaning towards three stars. Willing to go up to four for discard, but like it's so tricky because like right now, I feel like it's a three star card in terms of its capabilities. But the meta and where discard is heading, it feels like Proxima. Like, I don't I don't know where it actually I don't know if it's going to elevate any of the best decks. Like, in, and you know what I mean? Like, I think it's going to try and create this new type of shell that Discard might kind of want to play. But I don't know if it, like, completely uh, supersedes something like a Hela. I don't know if it ends up in Black Knight. So it's like, it's in this weird spot where, like, I just don't know if it makes any of the top existing decks better. You know, it's funny. I think we did this with Meek. It can be very tough to be like, it's this in the archetype. It's this outside of it. There is, let's start with just the bad guys. And that is, hey, if you play discard, awesome. If you don't, this is the most skippable week. She does not have a home really anywhere else outside of discard. So very, very pigeonholed in that archetype. However, it's this situation we get in where it's like in the archetype is a must include now on it is my 
I'm sorry, more pure discard, the APOC builds. In my opinion, with the MODOK, she's a must-include moving forward. I even think within forms of maybe Hella will have to test. Black Knight, I actually think a user will have to see with those two. They kind of have their dedicated roles in discard. But the pure dopium of the discard that we used to play, the dependable version, she's going to be a, a no-brainer. Like, I could give her a billion stars in that role. But you're right. Like, as an average, it's it's, it's tougher. I, I, three stars fine with me. I think I'm okay with, with, with giving that. Right off the bat, I mean, obviously... Her husband, Corvus, is going to work well, but I wanted to kind of take the subject that direction. Do we start to fiddle? I know me and you both will. Twitch drops are on Tuesday. If you guys want free drops, come check out both Alex and I stream. We'll both be streaming. I'm going to be testing, as she comes out, these cards that we've been waiting to play with, man. Oh, no, don't need them again. The cards like Moon Knight. The cards like Swordmaster. Is this finally a time... Where we're going to see these cards get played more because we're now adding, I believe, our like seventh card that on our side, it's okay if it's discarded. Yeah, there's a lot like you're getting more and more options of like, okay, don't hit the Hella, just hit anything else. Like hit the Wolverine, hit the Proxima, you know, hit X23. X23 has been making these decks. Uh, I mean, even to some degree, you even see Dokken at, at times, right? Dokken Modok yep. is actually a pretty decent combo because the shards in the hand, the, and then it gets discarded with Modok. That's probably why the week is designed the way it is, honestly. And I agree, you have these much more natural hits where you can Moon Knight disrupt their hand, but also have a positive effect on your side. And I love what you said about the Modoc particular shell, because I do think that's where she's going to be the strongest. And it's one of those cards where like, I don't know if she obviously is unplayable everywhere else outside of discard. However, in specific discard shells, I think she's going to be a shining star especially when you consider that discard does not have much location protection. Like it does not have abilities, does not naturally include cards that deal positively with like, you know, Sanctorums, right? It does not have a Doom or does not have a, you know, any like a Mr. Fantastic. It doesn't have access to those types of locations. And Proxima is going to resolve that. So I do think that it increases the flexibility of that particular deck, but the absence of the old Chavez, I wonder if this card makes up for that difference. And I don't think it does. Yeah, again, I always kind of say like I, I, I've almost felt like I've like you know I've gotten through the breakup. I've moved on from that Chavez in the sense of like okay, the discard of new. What I'll say with that though is the discard shell right now. If you guys haven't tried it, Helicarrier Collector, the Morbius build. I'm sure you've tested that out a bit with Corvus. Guys, we're looking at great stats in Infinite. Hundred plus only. It's at fifty-seven percent almost win rate with a thousand games. I mean, brother, that's if that's not good statistics at that level of play I don't, I don't know what it is and she's gonna go right into that it is my opinion there i mean if you look at some of the cards we're starting to get with this card not even starting we're there that is the same as destroy at this point it is a tight tight list and cards are doing certain things and that's where okay are these type of cards gonna work because in my head you now have stature that okay you can start to risk these a little bit more kind of go that direction Swordmaster, just have great value here. Even Gambit, getting that random just doesn't matter. If you guys don't know the list, we have, you know, X-23 as what you said, Wolverine, Swarm, Apoc, Helicarrier, Dock to an extent, and now Proxima Midnight. That's a lot of cards, man, that you are just completely fine with getting rid of 
and you're attacking the opponent. I think you're absolutely correct. And anytime you're able to like create disruption for your opponent's board or like, you know, disrupt their hand, like Moon Knight is a really annoying effect. If you were able to hit like your Wolverine or X-23 and they lose their Doctor Doom, that's huge sad for them. What if they lose their Mr. Negative because you're playing yeah. it on turn three, right? Like, like their whole game plan falls apart. And I think there's a lot of like potential there. And I absolutely would love to say, and I, I feel like I've started every single conversation with this. Like, I agree with what you said, because we've been on the ball today. I do think that the shell of the helicarrier, the, so like I've been, okay. One of the pen and paper decks I have ready is Quinjet collector, right? A Quinjet, not a mistake. Quinjet collector, Morbius, use a moon girl to multiply yeah. Proxima Midnight, use Modoc, right? Maybe hit helicarrier too. dump the Proxima Midnights, fill your hand with new stuff. I think there's a lot of potential there. Yeah, and it, what I want to say is that like what we're seeing is, and this is what gets me excited is you're seeing like this variation of discard kind of like what happened with destroy where destroy has like Deadpool destroy and has like the Nimrod destroy yep. mm -hmm. and they're kind of like separate from one another discards now getting this third attempt at like differentiating it might maybe even four right because you have Hella you have Black Knight those are two yeah. different they play their own right you have collector Hella carrier that version personally I think if you want Proxima in there you might have to ditch the collector package, like maybe have to go that route and maybe insert, like if you want to go with like the Modoc Miracle turn, right? That's when like, okay, where are you putting Wolverine in the deck? How are you fitting in, you know, a couple of those cards in there? But you gotta, I mean, I, I gotta tell you, man, if you play something, let's say Moon Knight and your hand is Apoc Swarm Proxima Midnight, it's just, you're feasting. You're feeling so much better or even more so Corvus Glaive, which we've been talking about. I, we're gonna talk about it on your side, but I do think Corvus did better this week even without her. Like, I, I thought he was going to be, like, really reliant on, on Proxima. And now that marriage is going to come true within the game. I think it's going to definitely elevate both of their play for sure. But that's, like, almost the fourth deck. It's, like, this kind of, like, I don't care what I discard. I'm attacking you on the board with Gambit. I'm attacking your hand with Moon Knight. I'm attacking myself with Sword Master. And, and potentially a, a three-cost card with six power is all of a sudden a 13-power play because of Proxima. I think this might be the first time you've ever talked about Swordmaster on this podcast. Probably. Like that's a card that I think some people are forgetting even exists, honestly. Like, it's one of those cards that has never seen play. Some of the best variants in some Snap, of the by best the way. Variants. Even the base variant is incredible. Like, it yeah, has yeah. such good... But yeah, just such been such a terrible card for so long, but it, maybe it's going to make a bit of a comeback. Something I want to run by you, Cozy, as we're talking about, like, synergistic cards, is uh, I had this interesting thought about Dracula. Dracula... Seems like there could be some synergy. Like if you're able to pop up that apocalypse, you play the apocalypse down. If you hit Proxima with Dracula, it's a 15 power lane because she's going to jump to Dracula as Dracula takes on the power. However, conversely, the Dracula location is usually the one you know you're going to win. It's the vertical power one, but it seems weakest when you discard Proxima. So it might be like she jumps to Dracula's lane. You're like, I got this 28 poc. Like, I don't need you there. Yeah. So there's like this interesting dichotomy about how like it's going to interact and i'm curious about your thoughts well yeah so remember at the beginning of the month we, we broke all these down and i was kind of make my point around dracula proxima right because you have a 15 power play most likely and even if you have to go with you know you separate the, especially with corvus man you can get out a lot you can even get out apoc if you wanted to right kind of set it up have that left lane with apoc and then you're like hey jump to dracula i need you there right because then that dracula lane is super protected because they can't it literally you have you know Dracula that you can't break. And then Proxima is jumping, not playing. So she's safe. Very interesting, though, is the order of operations. I think we're going to have... It's just honestly, it comes down to the code, right? Because four goes to four, eight. 
does she get discarded and then see that 4-8 and then jump? I think she's going to see the 4-8 on Dracula before she jumps to a location. I think so, because it's almost at the same time, right? I think based on the way Apocalypse interacts, the card is discarded first, Apocalypse gets the plus four, and then Dracula takes the power. Yeah. That would insinuate to me that Proxima gets hit, jumps to the location, and then Dracula absorbs the uh, power. That's what I would think would happen based on Apocalypse. I'm thinking I might contact Harvard or maybe Yale and say, hey, do you guys want to have a major for the just the entire complications of Marvel Snap? I mean, you need a degree at this point to, to understand every mechanic everything that happens within the game and like it's funny i've played millions of discard games and i'm like i forgot i have no idea you know i, I think you were probably right there I'll, I'll lean on you on that either way though i do think the pairing's going to work out and you know no matter which way it goes you just have to play your game plan you know according so dracula one of the few cards in that deck that you're kind of hoping doesn't get discarded but has a lot more of a shield around him because there's a bunch of other cards that can take the hit and to that point i wanted to bring this up you know, people were like, ah, oh, it kind of sucks because Hela and, and, and Ghost Rider does, doesn't work. I kind of like that because now all of a sudden you have the potential if you do kill Proxima and you get rid of Apoc and you get rid of Dracula, well, you know Dracula is the only one that can come down with Ghost Rider, which is kind of fun. Hela, maybe not as much, but, you know, Ghost Rider has some potential there to maybe squeeze into a couple of those lists, although I don't particularly see it. Yeah, like there's potential. Like I, I still see Ghost Rider as like a clear cut Black Knight card. Like I feel like it fits so perfectly in Black Knight that like I don't know if you force it into a Proxima deck because like it's exactly what you said. Like you almost just want to include cards you don't mind getting discarded. And Dracula's going to be the one. It's just going to tilt you out. Like it's going to be Dracula and then everything else you want to discard. And it's good. You're going to throw uh, Swordmaster and it's just going to snipe. <laughs> it's going to snipe Dracula every time. Yeah, it's yep. the old way discarding Hela. I mean, dude, I, I, I told you what last snapshot, I've been big on Gambit lately. I think that's going to be one of the more fun ones just to like, if you get, I mean, think about it. Gambit does Proxima. That's 10 power played. And then you can kill a card. So the flip there is massive, just a massive turn, especially if you do what you were saying with non-discard synergy. So I want to kind of, let's, let's bring it that way for a second. Non-discard synergy, right? You mentioned Moon Girl. I think that is a very interesting double up deck that could happen with Proxima. I mean, at that point, you got 14 power, baby. 14 power to go. And, and hear me out. You ready for this? What if you do something like you get double Proximus, you have double She-Hulks, okay? And then what you could essentially do, well, not even double She-Hulks, like you don't have to get the nut there, but you get the She-Hulks, you skip turn five, and all you got to do on turn six is Modok at that point. Slam a She-Hulk down as well. Double Proximus. Maybe you got an energy cheat with Corvus. You can full float the She-Hulks. I'm just saying there's some double up synergy happening there. No, there definitely is. I, I love it. Every single pod, like we're talking about new cards, you, you bring up the double up strategy and it just just a squirrel chasing the nut every single time, man. I you brought it, it up right? this time. Hey, listen, man, the double up Proxima was your idea. I'm just, you know, fueling the, the, the hopamine, the hopamine chain, copamine. Both of them. Hoping and hoping. Yeah. Hey, buddy, listen, I actually, I do have a plan, man. I do think that like, I'm even trying to like slip Meek in there. The whole idea is like, if I could just pump discards like crazy and generate value for Collector, Meek, Morbius, and then I have Proximus dropping everywhere, it's beautiful. And the thing about Proxima that I think really helps out that I feel like nobody's mentioned, it's immune to everything. It mm -hmm. can't be Shadow King. It can't be Shan-Chi'd. 
it can be magnetoed to be honest that's like the only major thing but other than that like that car drops it hits exactly where you want and as you mentioned in the introduction it will i believe based on the information we have it'll trigger based on like one will trigger it'll go to the lowest the next will trigger it'll go to the next lowest like it they'll consider each other yeah like way better than like say having multiple miss marvels will yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's a good point And, and on that note because of that right we looked at moon girl Let's talk about, do you remember? I mean, dude, it feels like yesterday, but we're going on a year. It's crazy how fast time is moving. Storm used to be a pretty cemented card and discard. I mean, Storm used to be in a lot of the list. Remember back in the day? I mean, listen, man, closing off that location and either you have the drag play that you can get away with or you're like, okay, I don't have to play anything. You do a little math in your head. You're like, as long as they don't play nine power, I'm going to win. I'm going to win that location. And you know well that discard is awesome at winning at least one lane, right? You got one lane for sure most of the time. So this is the other route that I see. You just get the win on the left side here. Don't even worry about it. And then you're good to go. You just win the other lane that you need to win with the Morbius, the Collector, whatever way you want to go. Yeah, I mean, you ask about my luck. This is how my luck works. I play Storm in a lane. They play, they play the Iron Lad to follow up on turn four. That Iron Lad hits their Devil Dinosaur, and I retreat. That's that's how my life works. But I totally get what you're saying. Like, you can undercommit there slightly, because you don't want to play... You often don't want to play Dracula in a Storm location. You no. can. You no. absolutely can. But, like, you're like, okay, I just overkilled this by 18 power. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Like, Dracula's the big boy. You want it to hit, like, you want it to hit something, right? Yep, yep. I totally feel that, because, like, you can leave the Storm location and allow Proxima just to give it that pump up. But not only that, you've got Meek, which, you know, do you think Meek makes these lists, right? Because he kind of helps the Storm thing, too. He kind of pops around. They, like, listen, we kind of, you know, blaze past it. I truly think it's going to be so cool to have this Wolverine Proxima X-23. Again, we just mentioned some of the cards that are playing themselves. Having that Swarm and then Meek and Morbius, just that, just that little interaction to me, seems absolute hilarious. And then even if Apox in here, and, and that's where the Dracula can do his thing too, that's going to be a very fun, kind of like miracle deck, if you will. Yeah, I think that anytime you're playing Proxima, you are playing Modoc for the simple reason that none of the targeted discard can really hit Proxima. Like, outside of Blade, if you top deck her, like, if you think about it, Sif's yeah. probably not going to hit her, right? Yep. Colleen Wing's not going to hit her under most circumstances. And so from there, you start to run out of options. The only thing that's consistently going to hit her is going to be Modoc. And that's why, like, I had this design with, like, this, this Moon Girl deck I want to experiment with because I'm going to play Meek in it because, like, you're just, you're just going to wipe everything, wipe everything out, allow tons of things to get discarded and run from there, right? And anytime you're playing Modoc, I think that Meek's going to be a good spot there because, hey, remember, if it hits 1-5, if it's a 1-5, it's done its job. Like, that's a good stat line. It's basically Martyr, except Martyr's going to move to lose you the game. I mean, Meek can move to lose you to the game, too. That's the unfortunate reality of it. And I just think Modoc's really the card you want to play with Proxima. Well, listen, I, you know, I'm going to talk about it more in a bit here, but I do want to mention here, you know, because my, my, my thoughts was going around Invisible Woman, and I'm like, okay, is there a deck where it's, you know, her on two, maybe even wave out early, whatever, and then you put the Modoc in. It's not a hella deck. It's just this last minute play. But guess what? We don't need to do that anymore because we've got Supergiant, which Supergiant kind of felt a little weird in hella. There wasn't a lot of need to, you know, play that. But now it's like, hey, you put the Modoc down on five, that's perfect. That's what you need. Because then on six, you're able to play that Dracula. You're able to play what you need to play without worry. And then you just look at your hand full of the Proximas and whatnot. And you're, you're feeling pretty good. But to your point, Modoc 
is in this spotlight for that reason. There is no, like, that is the certified, it's going to feel like the old dependable discard in ways where we're like, you're just hope you need that MODOK, right? You're like, you need that MODOK to get the play. For me, it's been the trick of like, how do I get Apocalypse on the board in a natural way? How do I utilize Apocalypse's power? And that's what Chavez did so perfectly, so unbelievably perfectly in the yeah. old dependable discard. And so I think it's going to take a little bit of testing, but I think that this particular card, it's not going to need the testing that Supergiant did or Meek did for that matter. I think it's going to be a much more natural pick. It's much more niche. But I think that we have some degree of confidence in where it's going to be working well. It's just a matter of finding the right 12 cards. I think that like first shot, I bet you I'll be like 10 of 12 on the right cards. And then as I test, I bet you'll refine it and you'll be the same way. I love the Super Giant call out. Super Giant's one of those cards. I really like what it's done to the game. I really like how it's flipped things around. And ultimately, like I do think that anytime you get the opportunity to like adjust the strategic flow of a game like with super giant modok and then you have this turn six where you can do a pop-off i think that's really cool cozy i like that call out because most opponents won't be able to prepare or at least like they, they just won't know what you're doing and that's how you steal cubes in marvel snap exactly how you steal i mean heck i was playing you know take this on this is the deck i'm gonna talk about in a second but i was playing this at one of the top i think it's two in the world and in the europe side of things in this tournament and I played a super giant deck with with Doctor Doom and Eli. He played Loki, and it was the most toe to toe match. And it's mainly like, what am I? What are they doing? What is this? And and to our point, not only now a super giant works best when she's an offense and defensive card, right? Because all of a sudden you have this synergy that you're working for, but at the same time you also are stopping Sarah. You're stopping Loki most of the time. Jane Foster. You're doing a lot there, and it it, it just feels like it's going to work on offense and defense. And maybe there's a reason why all the Black Orders are going to have that synergistic thing together coming out at the same time. Now, I brought this deck up. I want to just talk about it. This is where I see, again, Proxima entering, right? I mean, again, I think you might have to cut the Collector Package here. If the Collector Package survives, I, I also think that's fine. Maybe Colleen Wings the next one out. But this definitely, these stats do not lie. I mean, 100-plus gameplay, latest patch, plus 20 cubes. We have oh, nearly 57%. A thousand games. Uh, dude, this is a hot list for that level of play. Yeah, like I'm I'm going somewhere similar here, but I'm actually leaning into the collector package, right? Okay. So it's yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. funny how our minds are on similar kind of wavelengths, except on opposite ends of the wavelengths, right? Like, but like, so I'm leaning into the collector package. Cozy might lean off of the collector package, but either way, Cozy, we're going to have some fun decks to discuss and uh, compare during the week. For sure, man. So that is kind of what we have on Proxima. Again, there are plenty of discard stuff. I mean, maybe you even can, again, work in stature. Maybe you can get Silver Samurai. He works with what, like, what, Iron Man? And, hey, actually, you could do, like, Iron Man and then have Proxima go to that zeroed location and it's yeah, 14. It's 14 power. Wait a yeah, second. You're that right. could be kind of cool. Yeah. So anyway, there's, there's, a, I feel like there's a lot of different synergies that we could come up with, think about. It. And what I love about Twitch drops lining up with it, it you just, you see this, like, just flow of not only the, the creators streaming and testing these new cards, but the communities all together, right? And they're all like giving ideas and stuff. And, and truly, we're going to find the deck that works this week. No question. Again, sum it up, guys. Here it is. If you play discard, you got to get Proxima. If you don't, you are feeling fantastic skipping. And I don't even think I used to say if you got Corvus, get Proxima. If you got a Corvus for the ramp stuff, I don't even think you have to. Like, if you still don't play discard, you're, you're probably still fine. I would get Proxima, but it's an easier week to decide with a lot of banger cards coming out in the weeks to come. And on that note, I do think that's like kudos to second dinner. I think we need more of these types of weeks 
that are a little more clear cut and like, hey, like if you don't play discard, if you don't play negative, if you don't play ramp, if you don't play whatever, right? Yep. You can maybe skip this week with some degree of confidence. Yeah. Right. I, I do actually like that because free to play players, we have an additional card come out every month, and the first of the the first week is two cards, right? Giving players the opportunity to actually breathe and say, okay, I can actually skip this week and I feel okay. I think that's better for the game as a whole. So let's get to our next subject that'll wrap it up on Proxima next week. We're going to talk about the new season. Excited about that. Five loves, five hates, guys. This is a new segment where we're going to talk about our five favorite cards this season or we just are loving right now. Top five loves. And then we're going to talk about cards we are just hating. We've had our most hated list. I think there's definitely mixed opinions on cards out there right now. And we'll see if Alex and I's list kind of match up together. Alex, we'll start it with the hate. Let's start it with a hate. Give me a card this season that's just it's just pissing you off, bro. I hate to say it because I do like the I like the card. I know you love the card. I'm just kind of sick of Deadpool. I'm just kind of sick of Deadpool. I know you're okay. upset already. We're off to a great start. But like it, he's too good, man. He's too good. And like I respect the fact that Hulkbuster took a piece off him. I actually Hulkbuster's being cut from some of the decks now, which is probably kind of interesting to see. But like for me, like I'm just sick of seeing him. He's too good. And like with Nico, every single talk about luck again. Every single destroy player I play. Oh. It's Nico into destroy Deadpool, draw two. And I'm like, what do I even do now? No, it's come to the point. If someone time. snaps on me on turn one, I know what's coming. No, no, no. My yeah, my Nico's got a hidden text for sure. The move right one card and change location first two turns, no matter what. Like that's that. There's no question that's mine. I'm shocked. Yeah, I like Deadpool. I do. I, I like where he's at. I think he's only going to get better, man, because of the movie coming out. It's just at least that that archetype. But my gosh, it's yeah. I disagree here. But this is the good point. Like this is what I love about Marvel Snap. People have cards that they absolutely hate, and then there's ones that others don't as much. But I think. I'll go ahead and pick one that we can just kind of both say, yeah, hey, we both hate him together. Not seeing him maybe as much in all of my decks. But like, again, and we, we talk about something. We don't have to do this all the time. I, I just, Leech is, Leech is just always the one to kick the subject off with. Like, I've just, I've never feel great about playing this card. Never feels good. Never, like, I walk away from that game feeling like a hundred bucks. There are more decks right now that are playing things like Infinite, so you can kind of like relish off the, le the Leech, but can we both just nod our heads and move on from this guy? Listen, I'm actually, I have some complex thoughts about Leech and I'm not trying to like bait community anger here or anything like that. But like lately I've kind of been happy Leech exists. Let okay. me explain. Let me defend myself right okay. off the top. Leech has given me the opportunity to counteract Hella in a way that makes sense. It's been a release valve that I feel like we've needed, but sometimes when Lockjaw exists and <laughs> they're able to get Hella out anyway, somehow it's like, well, the Leech did nothing. But, like, I totally understand why Leech is frustrating. It is super frustrating to play against. But this past week, with Hella being what it is, I have been able to say, you know what? Leech actually kind of makes sense right now. Like, this is kind of why Leech exists. Yeah. And yes, it's frustrating. But this week has been a perfect example of why Leech has to be in the meta. I mean, it is why we have really, you know, Valve cards, as we call them, right? Because if we do miss an OTA and things get out of hand, let's say it's Sarah, we have Super Giant. If it's Leech, you know, if it's Blob, if it's whatever, we have Leech. So these cards exist for that reason. Hopefully we don't have too many OTAs where we skip them because I think that, you know, the game's just much healthier, more fun, more experimented if we do have the OTAs. But okay, I don't disagree with all that. I also just hate Leech, so I'll move on from that. I hate this variant. Like, I don't understand why you have this variant Always. favorited. I do, like, do now you not because have of you. a better variant? No, no, no. It's now, it's it's strictly targeted just because I know the hate fuels through you and I just want to get you all matching the color of your shirt there. Also, we're not matching, but we're close this time around. I, I don't have an Adidas red. I'm going to have to add one to my to my collection. 
Got to get some stripes on you, bud. You looked great with them. <laughs> well, let's let's go. Should we go to another hate or to our first love? I got a card we can hate. Let's do it. And I have an idea of how we can hate this card less. I've been thinking a lot about Lockjaw lately. Dude, I have like, Lockjaw always, on my hate. Yep. Okay. Yeah, you hate Lockjaw too? Okay. This season. Listen, yeah. I have always been a Lockjaw believer, but lately I'm just like, there's been this consistent thread of like, why does this deck annoy everybody? Why is this deck putting so much power out for free? Why is Thanos doing so? Why is hell doing Oh, it's look, it's Lockjaw. Over and over again, it's Lockjaw mm -hmm. that's cheating out all this power all the time. Hmm, how can we fix this? It's obviously a problem. They approached the Lockjaw change by only allowing it to swing one at a time. That was specifically targeted towards Thanos, also including the Quinjet nerf at the time, which used to make the stones zero cost. Now you have <laughs> now you have Black Swan that makes them zero cost anyway, but that's a whole other conversation. But Cozy, what do you think of this? Because you hate you hate Lockjaw too, right? Well, I was gonna yeah, I was gonna say what I hate about Lockjaw quick. I just what I was gonna say quickly is my most hated Lockjaw cards aren't even like Infinite coming out or anything like that. It's Kyera and it's Vision. Those are the two cards I hate coming out of it. Kyera has made it to where like Lockjaw used to be like, hey, get those Infinites out. Fill the lane, buddy. I'm going to kill them. Now you see the Infinite get cheated out and you're like, I'm screwed. I have that lane. I cannot win against that lane. So Kyera, I feel like has made Lockjaw tough. And then dude, Vision be nine power. When a, when a Vision comes out of there, I'm like, the flexibility hurts, man. Yeah, Vision's absolutely one of my favorite cards in the game. Actually, he's written as my love card for my five costs. Nice, but nice. yeah, okay. spe a special shout out to Vision. But what I was going to say was cozy. You know, I got this, this this amazing thought. I was thinking about like, how would I fix Lockjaw? Tell me if you agree with this. Every make him like I don't care what he make. Make him a three five. Make him a three four. Sounds like a buff. But wait, every time you play into him, okay, he loses two power. He actually, every time he swaps a card, he loses power. I came up with this idea because when I was watching Inhumans, part of the story, which was borderline non-existent as it was, <laughs> yeah, it was a terrible show, but Inhumans, he got tired. Lock, like Lockjaw got tired. There was actually like a storyline, a thread about how Lockjaw was tired and he had to be like recuperated. And so if he's constantly teleporting people, he should have a reduction of power for every time he rotates Boom! Balanced. Love it. I like it. I do. I think I think you're onto something. Because yeah, it's the effect is cool enough to keep in the game, right? Yeah. But like, you can't like there needs to be that downside, right? Because most of the time you're getting infinite, you're getting vision, you're getting whatever. But if you happen to get a power stone, and then the power stone plays out, or let's even say mind stone, right? And then you get the lockjaw lost power. Like, hey, you took that risk, and that did you know that did hurt. Wasp is the same thing. I like it. I'm actually for that one. I actually, because it was on my hated list. I'm here for it, buddy. And I like it. Let's go ahead and talk about another hated card. I think, I don't know. It's funny enough. I don't hate Thanos right now, but I hate Blob. Blob, I, I hate to love Blob. It's not a card that I want nerfed. You know, nothing like that. I think, again, it comes back to Kyra. But gosh, it just, man, I was playing some, some decks where like kind of the peak power I could get is like 22 in a lane. And I'm like, this isn't good enough. Like my absolute pop-off hand where everything goes right, still can't get, get get above 22 in this certain deck. A blob just beats me. So blob is, is where I'm going to direct some hate right now. I, you know what? I don't hate blob, but I had this thought too, not to be like, I'm going to be a balanced person today, but I had this other thought about blob. The, I think the thing is that blob now gets to like great power, very strong power, but they still top deck because the cards didn't get destroyed. I think he should still wipe the deck out. I still think he should just wipe yeah, the yeah, deck yeah, out. Yeah, 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 mm -hmm. right? yeah. Yeah, okay. Take the power of whatever cards he absorbed up to 15 or whatever it is. And then they still can't top deck. 
And I think that is like enough just to make him like, hey, now you're balanced, baby. Now, now you're where you have to be. Okay. All right. Hit me with one that you hate. You know what? Can I move to love? I, there's a you card can, I really want to talk about. Which one? Hit me. Do you really want me to throw some hate down? Okay. No, okay. Man. You want me to hate cozy? I'll hate. hate. You want me to hate? This is a bit of a different one though, because like I'm going to talk about a card I hate playing, but I don't think it's a meta problem. Can I talk about how I just hate playing Mr. Negative? And I can't understand really? why people like playing negative. I hate negative. You, you have. People ask You've always me hated negative them. decks all the time. I'm like, I just, I hate the way this card plays. You know what playing Mr. Negative feels like? It feels like holding your breath for the entire game, game for turn six or seven. That's what playing Mr. Negative. It's like, do I draw negative? Okay, I got him. Am I going to get like the cards? Am I going to play turn six or seven? That's what it feels like. It feels like you're constantly holding your breath to play this card. I can't stand the archetype. It just doesn't jive with me. So when we're talking hate, I just don't like playing Mr. Negative. You've gone up and down with things like Thanos before. Like I've seen you kind of go back. You have statistically just like have hated negative. So like you've, you've kind of always hated negative. I'll give you that. You know what the problem with him now is like him and Hella and a couple other these like kind of like, hey, you pop off decks had their like they all had their place, right? Now, Mr. Negative is the worst of that bunch. Although I still think he is works in like these Ravona shells where you have an alternative option. But yeah, he, I mean, he is not in his best place right now. It, funny enough, you, you said it's like you don't hate, you don't think anything should happen to it, but you hate playing against it. I guess you said you hate playing this deck. You don't mind playing against it all the time. I don't, I don't hate this deck really, but when I play against it, man, the Tribunal deck, I, there's nothing more... I, I don't know about you, but when I don't have, like, there's so many decks. If you don't have Enchantress, it's like, okay, cool. All right. We call it a day. It's over. It's done. You can just see it. And you know, you know, they've got the Onslaught and the Iron Man. And no matter what, man, I should have paid more attention. My teacher was right. I miss the math every time. I'm like, yeah, it's 26 something. It's 20. And I'm always off every time, man. I always say 28. I'm always like, can I go 28 in two lanes? That's kind of what I do in my head. It's usually it's around 28, right? 26, 28. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes 30 if they happen to get some better better luck. But yeah, like, listen, Tribunal, I think the only thing keeping it in check right now, like, it's really good. It's it's the fact that there's Thanos everywhere. Like, Thanos Reality Stones takes a turn away from it if they try Limbo, right? Yeah, so, yeah. like, I think that, like, Tribunal, if they nerf Thanos where Thanos falls off, Tribunal's just going to skyrocket because, like, I do think that Tribunal is a very, very, very legitimate archetype, and I, I actually don't mind playing it. I think it's pretty fun. Compared to Thanos, though, what I love about Tribunal, if it does take over, it's like, you have a direct answer, right? You have, like, yeah. like people, Hella is, why Hella is kind of where it's at is... You're taking away a lot of like the precision timing of skill and stuff with with what Hella brings. Not saying that Hella decks don't have skill when you snap and when things happen, but there's definitely less of it per se. And there's not an obvious counter. Like there's some, but not a lot, right? Tribunal, if it rises to the top, we definitely have more than one release valve here, right? But th those are my hated. And it's not that I like think they need to be nerfed. None of them actually. Maybe, maybe a point or two on Lockjaw and or Hella. I want to move to the love. Do you have any other hate to throw? You you ready to go to Love Fest? I'm ready to love. I'm you ready, ready to, to love. love. Hit me with a love. All right. Can I just say that I've been really, really, really loving Snowguard? And I know that's a bit oh. random, but I, you know, Loki's kind of making a bit of a comeback. So I started okay. playing Loki <laughs> yeah, again. Yeah. And like, I'm just like, I kind of forgot how much I love this card. Like the utility of the Hawk is absolutely incredible. And listen, if there is like Savage Land and there's like Raptors on the board and I, I'm, I'm holding my bear, my Papa bear, I'm throwing it on Savage Land. I'm like, enjoy your Raptor Fiesta over there while I win that location, right? Like, I think it's such an amazingly versatile card. And it's unfortunate it's kind of pigeonholed into Loki a little bit. I would love to see Snowguard being played outside of Loki. 
But honestly, how good is this card? It really is phenomenal. Yeah, and I think when we get like Mockingbird and stuff, we'll talk about like Devil Dinosaur could find its own archetype outside of Loki, which I'm kind of looking forward to a bit, right? I, I like that a ton. I get good pick, kind of like one I wasn't expecting uh, and definitely uh, the bear and the hawk, again, ton of fun. For me, man, I like I just talked about how hell is so hard to address. The way that I've been addressing hella hardcore is with, first of all, Eliath. And second of all, my first love card, and that's Negasonic. I have been enjoying these early, making the early turns matter, as Alex loves, getting that quick priority, not letting them get ahead of that, maybe a super giant out, whatever, and just sweeping the board, making sure that they don't even get to play these cards, and, and, and you make it very obvious where they're going to play. I will stand on the hill that Mobius, Immobius, Negasonic, Legion, those kind of cards, these cards are the most slept on. These are just game, you need game changers. You need cards that are, can swing the game I think Negasonic's one of them. I think they're cube stealers too. Like people yes. really sleep on like the amount of cubes that can be stole from like cards like Rogue, Negasonic, Legion. Like these are the cards that like when people think they got a plan, it just gets ripped out from underneath. It's like the rug pull card, yeah. which I think is so good in Snap, right? Because like it's, it's, it's the cubes that matter at the end of the day. People will go eight cubes and they're never saying, oh, what if they Negasonic? <laughs> it's just never happening. <laughs> Do you remember when, when Goku and Gohan took on this Negasonic and DBZ? They had the Kamehameha against her her purple energy ball here. Is this before? Is this like a Majin Negasonic? Yes. It, this is after the arc where, yeah, yeah, she kills, she kills, why, why can't I think of the little clown's name? What, 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 why, why Majin Buu. No, 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 no. The little clown, the white one who dies by like the first oh, episode. Oh, Chiaotzu. Yeah, Chiaotzu. Sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I had brain fart. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Negasonic kills her. Frieza uh, joins up and they, they get together. You haven't seen that one? Have you seen that art? You've seen them all. I've, I've not. I've not seen that. We're we're going down down some crazy fan fiction here, but I I've not seen it. I would love to see it though. Hey, it looks like it looks like she's actually charging up some sort of Kamehameha. She's got like the favorite uh, DBZ character. Oh, it's Vegeta. You have uh, it has to be Vegeta. Man, it's always yeah. been Vegeta. So I got a Vegeta. He's right there. You can see him. You can see him on the screen. Oh, like I got a Vegeta bobblehead. My brother got that for me like ten years ago. I like the Vegeta pick. I do like Majin. I do like Boo a lot too. And then Brawly. I've always had a thing for Brawly too. I think he's just a he's a he's a sick he's a sick guy. And then they got like too powerful. They're on like SS twenty now. I think. Yeah, I've always, you know what? I really do like Trunks too. Actually, right oh, there on my trunks? shoulder yes. is the history of Trunks DVD. Right hey, there, <laughs> Sword Trunks is so sick. Yeah, his whole plotline, awesome. Yeah, I, I love it. Shout out to DBZ fans out there. Hopefully, we'll get a movie live. Dude, have you seen the live action movie? No, don't even have you seen. It. Have you seen like the memes around it? There's a live action DBZ. I, I've seen it. It's old though. It's like 15 years old, isn't it? I think you funded it. I think they had a 40 dollars budget. Like, dude, there was. There, was that you? Was that a homemade movie? Yeah, yeah, actually. I, I made it on a camcorder in my high school. <laughs> you, It would be better than what's out there. If you ever want to just have the worst day of your life, I don't know why you'd choose to hate yourself that much, but go check uh, out the, the remake. They ruin all canon. I think they're doing that now with like Avatar, and they did it with what, One Piece You talking about The Last Airbender or the super tall blue guys? No, 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 no. The Last Airbender. Yeah, yeah. They did the, they redid One Piece. Avatar thought they could do it too, but I think it kind of kind of didn't work out. See, I don't really know anime at all. Like, anime, anime is one of those things anime. I've not watched. <laughs> yeah. You, I love how you so. say Pokemon and anime. It's great. <laughs> what? I'm just speaking exactly how it's spelled. I don't <laughs> quite understand what the problem is. I, I, people actually came after me. Like, I, I, I'm talking about all these Pokemans I love, and everyone's all upset with me. I, I Listen, I love Bulbasaur. I don't know what, like, it's one of my favorite Pokemon in the, in the world. I mean, he's got the Vine Whip special move. He creates, he creates like ladders for, for people when they're in sinking ships. Have you not seen the episode? Bulbasaur is an absolute champ. 
I love Alex Kochev. All right, buddy. Maybe with another love. All right. I want to uh, show some love for one of my favorite six drops in Marvel Snap, one of the most consistent six drops in Marvel Snap, and that is Magneto. Tell me that this card is just not a perennial absolute champion. Like this card needs no changes, needs no nerfs, needs no buffs. It has been the same card since beta and it is just incredible. I never ever feel bad about playing Magneto. And even when it gets like piggied or even when it gets like something happens to it, I'm like still 12 power, still pretty good. I love this card so much. It is an absolute God tier card. Magneto is a card I love that I just don't play. Like I love him. Yes. Great but I just don't play him. I don't like, I don't find him in a lot of my decks. And, and like, if you make specific decks like around him, he's so good. He's so good. Every now and then I'll get into like a Magneto control deck, but yeah, yeah, I, I agree. He's a good card. Very. Anytime I've been defaulting on like, you know, like you often default to like Dr. Doom. Like that's kind of like, it's like, I need a six drop. I'll just mm-hmm. Doom, right? I mean, lately you've been like, I'll just Agatha, but that's a whole other conversation. Hey, hey listen, I love that deck, by the way, dude, that was an absolute fire list, but she's on my love list. Okay. She's on my I love knew list. she was going to. You call it hopium. You called it hopium, and I think it works. Is it exactly a meta breaker? No. Is it a good deck? Some would argue no. Probably no. But damn it, Alex, was she fun, man? It was so it was so fun, dude. I, I'm telling you, when you do the Twitch drop streams, you gotta try it out. You gotta do a little yeah. Agatha Love. That was one of your best videos in a while. Like I absolutely loved it. I, it was Excellent. so phenomenal. And like the thing about it too is like it's so soul-crushing. I'll tell you what's soul crushing about Agatha. It's not playing the Agatha. It's losing and watching Agatha come down on turn six and realizing you just lost to an Agatha deck. Oh, that's yeah. the moment where you're like, okay, all right, that, I need to, I need to put this game down for a bit and walk away. The and highs just are like, high. The yeah, highs are high. The highs are high. The lows are low. But with Agatha, funny enough, like the card that with her it, it, leader is what made me enjoy Agatha a ton because he answers a lot of decks right now, man. Like, destroy popping down the knoll. I'm like, fantastic, man. I'll throw down a leader. Like, he... Man, I want to play more leader. I want to dedicate more my time to more leader. I think he is just not played enough. You know, it's one of those things where, like, you, you, be careful what you wish for. Like, Cozy talking True. about how leader has to make a comeback. When leader makes a comeback, everyone's going to be so friggin' upset. So... Maybe we temper our expectations a little bit. Maybe we shouldn't have brought, maybe cut this part out of the episode okay. because like if yeah. leader makes a comeback, people are going to tilt out of their minds. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, listen, I already talked about super giant enough. She's on my list. Agent Coulson, as always, anything else before we go into best decks? Yeah. I want to just give a special shout out to a card that got buffed. It was one of the most fantastic buffs Marvel snap has ever done. It has a remarkable impact on the game and no one complains about it because it's absolutely fair and it's magic. I just oh, want to okay. give a special shout out to Magic. I think this change has been one of the best. It's aged like absolute wine. Yeah. What a great change they made. Really creates a new dimension of gameplay. It's susceptible to all these different things. You're never yeah. just making limbo and just like, oh, I got turn seven, baby. Let's go. It's like there's always risks associated with it. I think this is one of the best cards in Snap right now from just a pure, it's fair, it's awesome. I just love magic. I think it needs some respect. Great take. No, honestly, good take. Like I, I do. I think limbo is definitely just like a fun location. Feels good out on three. Like, I don't know why. Dude, it was a five cost. That's so weird. That like, that's so insane to think about. And this is definitely, definitely where magic, you know, belongs ultimately. With that though, dude, let's, let's go ahead and hop to our last subject. It's infinity conquest week. All right. The meta right now, as we've already talked a lot about it, so we can kind of maybe rapid fire a bit more. Thanos, Hella, those are kind of the top two heavy punchers right now. I think we can all agree on that because of just their consistency, the cards coming out around them. Those are going to be some better decks. In Infinity Conquest, though, you know things are different. We know Sarah Control and Loki are some of the decks 
you know, that definitely if you got a bit more high skill, those are the ones to play to target to really use things in a defensive manner in a lot of ways. You know, sometimes in those decks right now, Loki's the worst card in the deck and he just helps you win if you need to switch and, and the deck's appropriate, right? So those are the first two that come to my mind when I'm going into Infinity Conquest. What else you got out there? Listen, I do think that right now Annihilus as a whole is yes. being slept on. I think it's seeing it's criminally underplayed. Its win rates are approaching like 59% in some circumstances. Yep. And like it's really it's Annihilus plus anything you want. Yep. Like you just add Annihilus, Sentry, and uh, Hood into a deck and you're just laughing. I am enjoying the shells that include the, the Darkhawk package. I yep. like the disruption of Darkhawk. I like the play of Annihilus. You've got the vertical power. But in Conquest, Infinity Conquest specifically, you have to be a little wary of the Sarah Control style decks because they will pump that Dark Hawk. They will kind of be a little more problematic for those early point getters, especially like Sentry is going to be susceptible to something like a Shang-Chi. But listen, like even if Sentry gets punched out, like the Void, they can't deal with it very effectively. No. It's still a big power swing. So I really do like a Nihilist going into this uh, Infinity Conquest week. Uh, two quick notes on this. This might be the most interesting Infinity Conquest because Sarah always reigns in Infinity Conquest. However, guys, listen, Sarah's number one weakness, number one right now is Hela. She can't deal with it. It's very tough. And so because Hela's going to be played a ton, I'm wondering if this will be a very interesting Infinity Conquest because of that. And to your point, 100%. Why? Because Century forces players to... Like, Annihilus is kind of a control card. It forces people to play right. You're kind of making them adjust their game plan, which is, like, just part of the package. And then you can do the crazy, you know, swap things, and the hood is always just a great turn one play. And then it's just you get the demon as well, the 1-6. It all kind of marries together perfectly. I agree. Annihilus balance especially is probably my favorite. We talked about Destroy obviously doing really well right now. If you play Destroy and Infinity Conquest, you're probably going to do, you know, pretty good. Probably throw in one or two, maybe maybe a card in there they don't expect, maybe a tech card, Alex. Shang-Chi, the double force, that's what rules the week, typically, though. No, absolutely. Like, when, if you're going to play Zabu, Shang-Chi, you may as well add Iron Lad in there, get some value, right? It's just, listen, like, <laughs> talking about Hela, too, I got I to gotta say something about Hela that's been driving me nuts. Even if you try to counter Hela with Cosmo, you play the Cosmo onto the Lockjaw location, and then they, like, bring out a Giganto and you're like, great. Now I can't even shun chi that. Like, yeah. it's like, you're just, it gets you on every edge. Right. Yeah. And I do a special show to talk about decks going into this week that I think are major climbers at a 57% win rate right now. And a phenomenal cube rate is Galactus. Can you believe yeah. Galactus making a comeback in a Ravona shell? That's actually run once again, running a, a Nihilus, but you have a Ravona base shell with Galactus. Beautiful, beautiful deck right now. And people just aren't expecting Galactus. Very high cube rate. Let me hear from you and the audience. I, I'm going to throw this out there because I think we actually brought this up. Maybe it was the last snapshot, maybe a couple of times ago. A 2-2 Cosmo. What do you think? Do you think... I feel like Cosmo is the weakest tech card right now. Like, I don't think it's close. I think you got to be very careful with Cosmo. I know. Like, if you... Yeah, I think you probably leave it where it is because if Cosmo is able to be slipped in everywhere, then it's really problematic. But it does have a location-specific effect. And uh, two two is yeah, bad I, I too. Two two is a bad stat line. Honestly, yeah, two two is not a good stat line. Like Army's a two three, right? Like, I, yeah. I think it would be a fun experiment for an OTA possibly because we just don't see a lot of. It is a card you need to be careful with, no question. Yeah, obviously, Darkhawk to your point. You know, the the Beta Ray deck is great. Also, without question, we also have the Darkhawk Leech to your point to handle. You know, the Blob that deck's fantastic against Hella and Thanos, man. 
And like you have the Darkhawk for the Thanos just to get huge, but then you also have the leech to handle, you know, the rest of it. Last two decks though, Alex, we're going to talk about obviously turn seven. She not, you just talked about magic. It, that deck's just so, so good. The high Evo days, you just roll with that. If you guys want kind of an easy glide, that deck kind of held its own for a long time in conquest. And then finally, man, I would say daredevil control doesn't get enough respect. We kind of did a lot of control going into the season. But man, you know, you can throw in so many different cards. Professor X is awesome against Hela. And yes, it's not the best card, but you have a lot of ways like Miss Marvel, Jeff, to get back in there. The classic days, you have the Alive. That's just not getting enough respect either, buddy. And no question. Yeah, and it, honestly, that's a great call too. Pro X not being expected, not being played very often. And if you're looking to counter Hella too, it's a bit riskier, but we talked about it before. I do think Tribunal is interesting. You kind of negate... Like they, it's yep. their pop off decks, right? And Tribunal, because of the way it just kind of attacks all the locations, Hella, it's kind of out of their hands a little bit. They can go very vertical, but they're going to need like Infinite and Giganto to land in a lane together to top yep. off at 30 power, right? So, like, I do think that like there is potential there to actually get some good stats on the board and just play your game and let them let RNG do its thing. And hopefully it goes against the Hella player, which if you're me, it'll never will. But I do think Tribunal is pretty interesting in this matter right now too. Yeah. Play Cosmo with that. If you're going into Infinity Conquest, that way you're not like completely dead to something like Sarah Control. You got to get five matchups in your favor and uh, sometimes it can be tough in there. But either way, guys, those are the decks that I would play in Infinity Conquest or approximate midnight coming out. So Discard is surely going to find its way in there as well. We already talked about the stats. Cozy. Crazy week in Snap. Crazy week. We've had the emergence of Discard as a legitimate shell. Hella all over the place, raining down Chaos, raining down Gigantos and Infinites. But it's been Corvus Glaive that's been the new addition to Marvel Snap, the new addition to Discard, the new addition to Ramp. It seems like it's kind of been tested everywhere. So I'd be really interested on your first impressions and, well, actually, your tested impressions now of Corvus Glaive. Dude, I like Corvus. I'm telling you, remember, we were both on, you know, different sides of the fence. I think day one, people were like, ah, eh, he's okay. And then day two, day three, we're starting to see him a bit more. I actually want to give him more credit in his flexibility. Thanos Corvus is working out. Obviously, ramp Corvus, and then we, we've seen him in discard, and he's only going to blossom there. But ramp, and then Agatha. But ramp, you got to like it, because it's what I kind of thought were, you know, you have so many strong six-cost cards, five-cost cards in their own right. And then now you've got this combo for ramp that if you get the Corvus into Hella, it's GG. Like, it, it, you know what I mean? Like, ramp decks, it used to be like, oh, Odin, Doom, GG. Now it's you have this, like, super reliable play line that you're going to be able to pull off, especially if you can do Sandman and it gets the right matchup. We're going to break them down. Obviously, it's our in-review, but I, I was surprised by him. What was your kind of consensus on the card? I was surprised too. I came in at two stars. I'm definitely higher now, but like I'm leaning towards like three, four, three, four, definitely maybe towards the four side because he's been a lot more versatile than I expected. Now, what you were referring to in the ramp decks, like there was a bunch of different ramp decks going on, but one that like I, I designed that I thought was really cool with a really cool pop off was if you play Corvus Gleave and then you play Hella and then you play Odin on, on top, top of, of those two, Beautiful. you double proc the Corvus Gleave and then you bring back the two cards he just discarded again. Yep. And which is, I thought it was pretty cool. I thought it was a really need effect and because of the amount of power you're putting on the board so early you would have had initiative you're dodging a lieth a lot of interesting stuff from that perspective but what i really liked about it in discard now discard did not necessarily i, I don't know about how you felt with this i almost never needed the extra energy on occasion i was like oh look at that i can actually play out my swarm that i just top decked and still actually hit my uh, apoc with dracula or like I, I found ways to use the extra energy but i couldn't reliably like be like oh i'm gonna have this extra energy on turn seven this is gonna be my pop-off play 
kind of the same way you can like, well, when I have turn seven and destroy, I'm going to be playing, you know, null and I'm going to be playing Deadpool or like there's this, or, you know, Arnim Zola Deadpool or whatever. Like there's a pop-off play. I don't feel like discard needed that. Like, I don't know if you agree or not. It's just kind of like the way the game works out. So like not every game, but I felt like I had a good amount either through like Helicare giving me stuff and collector, or maybe I did like meek Modoc or like there, there were times it didn't, but there were a lot of times where I got to play two cards that I didn't necessarily have that privilege beforehand. It, it, it doesn't work like destroy. It's not as like maybe fluid as destroy is, but I, I continue to think extra energy is always a good thing, especially man in my Agatha deck, not to keep bringing that up, but the sunspot, I loved there. I loved that sunspot to keep soaking that up. And that way you're not like freaking out if you don't get that extra energy spend and you're getting a very reliable sunspot at that. That felt really good all the way around. So I, I, I get your point and I think it's only going to kind of go up with Proxima. But the funny enough, the discard list took more time to form this week than the ramps. Absolutely. No, the ramp decks were kind of off the top. Like, like wow, this kind of feels way better than expected. Like, yeah. it, it felt way better than expected. Like, I don't know how else to say it. And I think what really helped, too, is that you had all these different ramp options. And, like, ramps always was, like, one of those cards where, like, oh, man, I didn't draw either my Electro or my Wave. I'm just screwed. Like, my whole game plan is just destroyed. I get to play a card on turn five. Great, right? Yeah. Like, I just lose. This card gave you that additional reliable option, and it felt good. And... If you're discarding cards, yeah, even if you discard your Hella, like you're still playing a Magneto, you're still playing Doctor Doom, you're still playing these massive game breaking cards in their own right. Like yeah. you got, you just had these powerful shells, and even Arrow was making a comeback in those decks as well. We saw some Sandman iterations. There was a lot of really interesting stuff happening. This was, I think, our most disagreed card in quite some time. Like, we really did not see eye to eye necessarily on Corvus. And there was a couple games I'm like, oh, maybe he does suck. Like, at first at the beginning. You know what's cool about him, though, is I think, I don't know about you, but, like, I felt like there's so many six cards. There's six costs that I'm like, oh, yeah, let's get this. Let's get that. Five costs. There's a few. There's a few. There's definitely really good ones. But, like, as we continue to get five costs that are pretty impactful, I think Corvus also can get bumped up a bit. And, and I... I'm not maybe the craziest on that all-in Hella Lockjaw, but I, I do, I love Hella when you're not playing a Hella deck. Like when it's just like this kind of nice side and then the opponent, you know, they see you get rid of Hella and they're like, ha it's over. I'm going to snap, double down. And you're like, that was really just an extra cherry on top. Personally, that that's where I think Hella feels the best. It's like a safe Hella, yeah, I guess is the term. But yeah, Corvus, Corvus definitely, definitely, I don't know if he exceeded my expectations because I, I had higher ones, but I, I do think maybe maybe around that four star and him and Proxima are going to be together, you know, all the time now moving forward. He should even be better with Proxima theoretically. Right. And one thing I want to mention is I'd, I'd be interested in your comparison here. So Modoc versus Corvus Glaive. I had this thought and I think that I really preferred Corvus over Hellcow. And let me explain oh, yeah. when you have Hellcow on turn four, you're often drawing into your Hella. You're drawing into your Modoc. You're drawing into something else. I found myself on turn three holding cards being like, I can discard these. Like I'm not as like I, I, Oh, I don't have my hell yet. Or I don't have my Modoc yet. I can play Corvus and not be too worried about what I'm discarding. And I felt like that was actually valuable. The fact that he's played a turn earlier and you can top deck additional cards and discard and maybe pull that hell maybe pull that hell, uh, the Modoc or whatever it happens to be. It felt better to me. So I actually felt like this in some weird way was like, it's stepping on Hellcow's toes. Like I just, I feel like I don't play Hellcow anymore and I just play Corvus Glaive. Yeah, I mean, you get the eight power and whatnot, but it, it is definitely, I, I do 
Corvus Hellcat wasn't getting a lot of play. Now it's I, I think it's just Corvus is the way you got to go. But I do I think there's something to be said about maybe playing both Corvus and Hellcat if you're going all in on that kind of like maybe that Modoc deck we were talking about on my side where it's like you're kind of just trying to get rid of everything. Like maybe that has some synergy there. But hey, can I just say like I love that Helicarrier has made its it, like we've got a deck now with it collected. Dude, that was a full meme deck, you know, a complete meme deck, and now we we have this kind of cool optioned style of play deck. And we're able to introduce a lot of different flavors of discard, especially with Corvus in there, buddy. So yeah, I completely agree uh, to that note, man, in my ramp decks that I was building out with them, right? Like Electro Wave, Corvus, they were the only cards that I had at those costs. Everything else was just high fives and sixes, but it works because you need one. You need one of those cards to get the snowball off the hill. You don't, you're out of there. It's better than Conquest, in my opinion, but I love easy identified snap decks that make it simple you don't have to think about 90 play lines it's cross your fingers for a three cost play the game out the thing that gives me a little bit of pause with corvus and i'd be interested in your take on this is i had this thought i was like is corvus actually as good as we think it is or is it because hella and discard are just straight popping off right now like if you if you take a little bit off hella and discard there's a nerf that happens or like we, we're missing some of the tools that we've gotten over the last little bit does Corvus actually have the impact that it has? Or is this a card that feels good to play because it's being carried by archetypes that are just carrying without him anyways? I don't think they adjust Hella's ability. If anything, they adjust the power. I do think what you're saying is true. Like we, we do see that. But I, I think he has submitted his place in ramp, right? Like you, maybe you would play a Psylocke there. Now it's like, why would uh, this is this is much more worth it. And we're going to keep getting six, like Red Hulk's coming out. Like we're going to keep getting these cards that just kind of like, you're obviously going to want to play. Discard time will tell, but I think with Proxima, same thing. You, you're going to want to use Corvus. So I, I do think he stays. I think he is going to be relevant in that style. You know what I think we need more than like Hella getting a nerf maybe is stature is a great way to punish discard. We need another stature of sorts, right? Like another something. Is that a, that's the release valve, right? Like, I don't know about you. If hell, you like, oh, cool. You got two statures, like or one stature, whatever. Miles Morales. That's not enough to compete with hell, right? But if you have, an, if you have another card that might be able to benefit off the, the discard, you know, thing that your opponent's trying to kick off, you might have another release valve there. Stature is one of those cards I don't feel confident playing defensively. Like, I don't put stature in a deck thinking that, oh, discard's popular yeah. and I'm going to mm -hmm. get a low-cost stature. I have discard on my deck because I'm playing Samurai. I'm yeah. playing Black Bolt. And if it's just gravy on top, if they discard themselves and I get to play it out early and I don't draw my cards or whatever, but it doesn't feel like it's it's not good enough to just hold on to, right? Exactly. Like, yeah, it's not yeah, good yeah. enough just to include in your deck. Like, I think more uh, Mobius and Mobius, you can include in your deck, even if they're not playing. Because so, it's a bit more of a catch-all. Whereas, Stature is way too niche. And I feel like you kind of need your offensive weapons to make it worthwhile. Though I understand what you're saying. Yeah, I want more of that, right? In a sense, to help yeah. against Hella or whatever that might be. Instead of maybe, hey, let's get rid of that archetype and people enjoying that. Let's just find more ways to say, hey, if you want to counter it, if you're not enjoying it, play this instead. Is my personal thought. But yeah, final ranking, man. I like Corvus. I think he's cool and it's excited. I'm excited now because I dumped all my energy in the ramp aspect in Agatha. But now I'll be going to discard this week. Yeah, like I think the discard is really going to benefit from from Corvus Glaive. And uh, you didn't give your star rating officially, by the way. You've done this a couple weeks in a row. You're like, I like him. You didn't actually say it hard. Like you didn't give the number. You didn't give the stars out of five, Cozy. I think I gave him a four star, maybe 3.5 last week. I'll, I'll give him a four. I'll lean on four. I, I've played with him enough, especially right now in the decks that he's in. And, and because of that flexibility and fun. Like honestly, I always rate on competitive, fun, flexibility. 
he, he knocks those all out in a good way. Yeah, no, he, he definitely has been fun. And it's it was surprising to see him actually doing as well in ramp and some other archetypes as well. And his win rates have been pretty good. You're looking in the mid 50s for a lot of the decks he's in. He's in he's been in top performing shells, including Thanos, right? Include obviously with Hela as well. And you mentioned that you don't think Hela can be nerfed. I think they could. I think they could actually put a cap on how many cards oh, she brings back. By I the hope way. not. I hope not. I don't I like as much as I don't necessarily love a meta. I'm not annoyed with her quite yet. I had her on my hated cards, but it's also like, I think it's like how long this is going to go on per se. After a while, there could be fatigue there, but I don't know, man. I, I really hope they don't cap it. it. It would just make it clunky. It'd make it super clunky. And it's like, I, agree. I don't know. That's my personal, personal thoughts on that. But we'll have to see, man. OTAs. We know Glenn is not afraid to pull some triggers if he has to. So I will tell. I've always been of the belief that I prefer I'd prefer that players get the opportunity to design counters, to work with the release valves. Like as I talked about with Leech, right? Like I've been incorporating Leech in more decks. I know that like sucks. I hate playing Leech myself, but like hell is popular. I'm going to include Leech. Like that's how I deal with it. Right. And like, I think that as you incorporate more release valves into the game over time, I think the need to like, well, we got our dresses with OTA right now because this is out of control. It gets mitigated. Yeah. Because if a Ceradex ever going insane, we we have the tool. Yeah. We have Supergiant. We have Mo, uh, Mobius and Mobius. We've got answers. And so let the players nerf the card with, with strategic deck building, right? So Hella is a little trickier. We don't have as many options, right? But hey, maybe in the due time we will. But oh, Corvus Glaive, I would agree. We have three, four stars. Uh, I would lean towards four stars. And for the record, Cozy, you're right. I was a little low on it. And I, I should just, we should just kind of get that, just copy. Cozy, you're right, because I think I no, say that. Oh, man, times. I suck. I have a million bad takes. And listen, I, Grandmaster is, is still a fresh wound. So, yeah, I, I, which I still love, but he's just, you know, he fell short a bit. So, buddy, I'm with you. I still love Grandmaster I too. Love like, yeah, I yeah. still think the best decks, like with Grandmaster, haven't been figured out yet. Game five, you know, it's like I'm not playing him as much. He'd be like probably more of a four right now, but I do think, you know, he's got the time ahead, but I appreciate the, appreciate the love. Right, lucky guesses, guys. Lucky guesses. I guess last season I, I did hit Kyra as a five and I think that card has been good. It's been oh, in yeah. so many different decks. So not to flex on Cozy a little bit, but you know, Kyra. Miss Marvel. Chef's kiss. Miss, oh, yeah. <laughs> You're bringing up the Miss Marvel oh, emotional I damage. I, I had my to. moment, Cozy. I, I won't even edit it out. I'll, I'll leave it in. I'll leave uh, the chirp in. I've, but that takes us to the top 10 discard cards in Marvel Snap. Now, we got some good feedback in the last top 10 we do. So once again, Cozy and I, we made a combined top 10 list. And I was actually kind of laughing because we were pretty far apart on some cards and we had to have a bit of a debate about like where we're going to decide the cards are going to be and stuff like that. It's and, a uh, tough list. Yeah. I still think you're sleeping on a couple, but let's start with some of our honorable mentions, Cozy. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of discard cards and this will speak to it because there's a couple we left out that's like, how did you not? And it makes sense in the long run one that i probably would have snuck into mine didn't make it in ours is gambit i i just feel like what gambit brings to the game is one of those big turn swings i get it i get he can mess you up but we're kind of leaning more towards that angle and we're not seeing these armor yeah kyer i get it but like man getting rid of that lockjaw early being able to play it late being able to play it early maybe grandmaster i'm loving gambit i'm sad he's not on our top 10 but definitely honorable mention I'm a Gambit lover as well, but you nailed it, right? The prevalence of Kyra has had a definite hamper on Gambit for sure. You're not even seeing much armor. I've actually, I'll be fully, like yeah. full disclosure. I've been cutting Kyra on a lot of my decks and including armor yeah. because of the prevalence of Destroy and the fact that we can use it offensively. 
And yeah, Gambit's being hit negatively by Kyra and the amount of usage it's getting. But I mean, I love the card. I love the flavor and it's a great card. Just like Ghost Rider is an absolutely fantastic card that doesn't make the cut for us in the top 10, but deserves some honorable mention, especially since it was trashed here for the longest time to get buffed by association. Thanks to well, Black Knight. Yeah, Black Knight, this is another really tough one to leave off just because Ghost Rider can feel amazing. It can also feel very lackluster. It just depends on the way the game... Like, like Black Knight deck players are like, what the hell? Is this a top three card? Like, totally understand. When you look at what Alex and I broke down earlier, there's like four different play types of discard now. Like, we got to look at all of them and all the decks that you could play. And this is where kind of we felt like he, he maybe worked his way in here. Even cards like Calling Wingman we didn't have on the list. You know, like a little, little shock there for some people. Black Hat is kind of, you know, finding its way in Hella decks, but very pigeonholed in, in some ways there with the, with the Black Knight and Hella. But number 10, what did make that list? What came in at 10? <laughs> it's so funny to bring this card up again, but it's Corvus Glaive. Corvus Glaive coming in at number 10. And we have it this low only because this is the week he gets to earn and submit his spot much higher than this. You know what I mean? He's a ramp card as far as I'm concerned, but he's about to be a discard card massively. By the way, I hate... The, this card, card, I just hate that on titles. I hate that in time. But anyway, I think that this is going to be the week where he could shoot up big time. We're just going to have to see that synergy. Obviously, Proxima, we're not going to have on today's list. But yeah, I think he was an easy, like, we got to include him at least because he's a 3-5 and he's doing great things. Yeah, he's doing phenomenal things. And honestly, he knocks off Hellcow. Like, he just makes, I mentioned it. Like, I feel like I don't need to play Hellcow because I have Corvus Gleave in there. Why Why play Hellcow like, when I can just play Corvus? Hellcow's not our one. I thought... You're going to have to send me a new list, I thought. No, this isn't a variant tier list. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, okay. What's nine? What's nine? Is it variant tier list or real tier list? Oh, dude, we got to do a variant. I know we, we we don't do variants talk here a lot, guys, because it's a podcast first, video second, right? But we might have to do like our, our top 10 and we just have Alex break it down in ASMR as we go through our top 10 variants. At this point, it's been, you know, a year and a half. We got we to gotta show off some of our collection. Actually, Discard does have some of the best pixel variants. It has the Modoc, which is absolutely one of the best, and the Hellcow, which is like, they're basically mm -hmm. one and two. Like, they have to be in terms of the, the actual quality. But number nine on our Discard list is Swarm, the 2-3 that replicates in the hand, and it's making a comeback with Collector making a comeback in some Discard shells as well. And I got to tell you, Swarm's in one of those cards I really like. We're not seeing a lot of Triple M, which obviously takes a... Big steamer on top of Swarm, but it, listen, I love this card. I, I've, I always have. It gives a lot of versatility, and when you're pumping Swarms, that means your your Mobius is big. Maybe your Apocalypse is big. You got all these additional options. You know, Swarm, I have love and hate for because I feel like Swarm was a better card a year ago than it is today because of the decks that are out now, right? Like, you used to get a couple free Swarms, and you're like, nothing can beat this lane now. And now it's like, you can stack four, and you're like, I, it's not looking great. Like, that, so... You got that. You have the Dracula thing going against you, but because it's just like working with the synergy of the deck and it's also a safe option and you're building up other cards, fully agree. But you know what I mean? How like it's just not quite as good as maybe it used to be. It's because of the Chavez nerf. I don't want to bring it up again, but like the Chavez nerf completely changed the way discard was played. Mm. You had all these free swarms. You had the apocalypse in hand, Dracula on the board, Chavez played down on turn six. You had Chavez, all the swarms and the hit on the apocalypse. That's why your turn six felt so powerful. Mm. And then when you got rid of Chavez, you got rid of that apocalypse style synergy, which made swarm feel worse. 
Okay. It, it all comes down to Chavez. Like that that original dependable discard, these cards don't feel as good because of the Chavez change. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I can get behind that. So Storm is number nine. Number eight, Alex? Number eight, we have Blade. Talk about one of the best buffs in a while. Buffing Blade was such a great move. Take, took it from just hitting Hella every single time to hitting the rightmost card. And I don't know about you, Cozy. When I'm playing a discard, I'm like... Holding blade, and I'm like, what am I top decking? I actually kind of oh, want to yeah. top deck something chonky so I can hit it. Where's the giganto? Where's where and it's just hell every time anyway. But I've I've actually really liked Blade. This was a very elegant buff, dependable discard, got a little bit of an extra tool, and one three power is pretty fair. Yeah, and I I like one drops that immediately can start the game off with a bang, right? You don't have that with a lot, but like Nico for sure. Even zero to an extent, if you have like ebony or whatever for for the next play, maybe lizard. You're like, okay, I get to start off on the, on the higher edge. Maybe even Agent 13 if you want to go down that track and get a random card. But Blade, it's like you open up and you have the right, you know, it's especially now with like Proxima, you have an opening play. I'd probably snap on that play. If I have like one more card that I like in the hand and I can play Blade to get Proxima to come out on turn one, I mean, like, dude, that's a 10 power play on turn one. A 10 power play on turn one. So like, that's where I think there's a lot of cool things to come and Blade definitely is one of my faves. And we talked about luck earlier in the episode, and the luck continues when a Black Knight player snaps on me. The next turn is Blade hitting Infinite, yeah. 20 power sword. Every, Every single time. time, I just, just cry in real life. What am I going to do? Every time. And uh, yeah, Blade's been a good one. A very elegant change to what was probably one of the worst cards in Marvel Snap for a long time. Yeah, my gosh, like Swordmaster, but at a one cost so bad. What do we got at? What are, we, are we on seven? Seven. Now this, okay, this middle ground... Seven, six, and five is where Cozy and I were in fierce debate. Fierce debate. Now, we settled on seven being this absolute Chad. Apocalypse. Cozy, I actually wanted Apocalypse higher, but you were determined to keep Apocalypse at number seven because you thought there was a couple bangers on the list that had to go higher. But sell me on why Apocalypse deserves this absolute open disrespect. Oh, man. I think you wanted him one spot higher, Alex. All right. I mean, I listen, <laughs> I think he's great. Out of the four discard lists we talked about, he's in two of them, okay? You're not really playing him all the time, but the threat of him's there. He can just take a hit, which is fantastic. He works with Collector. He does a lot of cool things. He can certainly go better. I think actually outside of the top, like, two cards, all of these are very fluid, guys. No question. We could, You could... You could have him at three, and I wouldn't be like, you're insane. I just, the games that you play him and the tools you need for this card to work, this is kind of where I have him. The, the card that I had right above him is the one where Alex and I were kind of going back and forth on, on importance. But APOC, man, I, I think he's even better now. I think the importance now behind him of having a good hit is going to feel great. It's like the only reason why APOC is good is because the good discard cards are good. Yes. The cards we're yeah. going to talk about next are the ones that make APOC feel great. And if they weren't as good as they were, then Apoc wouldn't be as good as he is. So like that is the one sell for Cozy's open disrespect of Apocalypse. But I also love the con like reading the comics, like reading the like the Kang comics and stuff like that. He, like Apocalypse finds these ways to like just slide into a lot of the lore. Seems like he's everywhere. All he's immortal, so I guess he has a lot of time on his hands. But Apocalypse is a really cool character as well. And that takes us to number six, Cozy Dracula. Dracula. This, you, you really fought hard for this one. This is I, this had to be above APOC because I feel like, what are you doing with APOC? You're trying to give into Dracula. The threat of Dracula, the way you get to play the game after having him down, the way you can set up your decks and moving forward, it just allows much sleeker turns in my opinion. And, and most notably, just being able to play MODOK late feels, feels good. So yeah, I have Dracula as just a very important imperative card in, in a lot of these lists. 
Oh, I, I couldn't agree more. Like it is imperative. It's an expensive card to play. It feels like one of those cards like, oh, you play it down. And you only got one power, but like you just got to dream about what turn six looks like, yeah. right? What the mm -hmm. end of the game looks like. And it's the, what happened though was like with Eliath, giving up initiative was extremely tricky with something like Dracula, right? Because you're giving up that initiative and Eliath can punish you for it. But we're seeing a decrease in Eliath play, which gives Dracula a little more room to breathe. What is, what's your take on the, the buffer change, I should say, to making the power kind of be gained so that extra one power actually matters. I always saw it as a as just a buff. I mean, you'd like to think about the games where it's like, the Jotunheim game, I won a four cuber on it that once. It's just statistically better. I mean, it's just statistically better. Like, I love the fact that if it kills Proxima, he's an eight, like not a seven. And and, and continue to kind of even swarm. He's a four, which four, four is obviously bad, but it's not like into the world, right? I, this has always been a buff and, and it's definitely felt pretty good. We also got the pixel version of him this week. I liked how when they did the pixel album, they did all the discards. That was fun. That was a cool way to do it. Yeah. yeah. That was a nice touch. I did like it too. And I mean, listen, I think we need more pixel uh, albums because it, it takes the tilt out of collecting these picks a little bit. It, we're, we're seeing a change of, of picks. I think some people are starting to turn around on pixels. I know Glenn, when he posts decks on Twitter and stuff like that, like they're all pixels. Glenn's a believer in them. pixels. I know yeah. that. So maybe we can turn the tides on the, the aesthetics of Marvel Snap. Number five, this was the one that I actually wanted higher, but Cozy's like, no, I'm overruling you. This card's good, but it's not higher than five. And that's a lady, Sif. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, this, And I think she's yeah. making a comeback, man. She's making a huge comeback. We got Hella Carrier making a comeback. APOC. There's so many reasons to play Lady Sif. Yeah, this was... Remember when I... I okay. You're not telling the full story, you know? I was like, hey, I like that Lady Sif up there. She's so interesting, right? Because you have a guaranteed, like, setup card. Like, that's the best part about her. And her stats are awesome. But when I think about the decks I've been playing, I've been cutting Sif more and more. And, and, and that's maybe because of Hela and then maybe because of Corvus and whatnot. Dude, again, it feels great. But even in decks where it's like I have APOC and I can play Lady Sif just to build them up. I'm like, well, what if I did XYZ instead? Or maybe I need to get my Morbius out because I just top decked him. Like that is it's it, she's a tough one for sure. So I, I, I get it. But it was tough. I think that cutting Lady Sif from a discard deck, that's that's drunk deck building. That's what that is. That is inebriated deck building. And the card's too good, man. I think it's incredible. And it activates so many cards. Like, actually, here's some some special mentions that we should we didn't even mention before. But Lady Sif, Helicarrier. Yeah. Not technically a discard card, but like benefits from Lady Sif. How would Infinite? Like, Infinite could have made this list. Because like... Yeah. There's going to be cards we talk about soon that really benefit from Infinite, right? We have, uh, you know, Ghost Rider benefits from Infinite, like hell of benefits from Infinite. Lady Sif makes those reliable discards possible. Absolutely. The only thing about it, talk about luck again, is if I'm holding Giganto and Hella, people say it's a 50-50, but it's not. No. It's Hella every time. Sif's like, hey, Hella, boom, see you later, bud. I love it. I'm, I'm like, you know, Alex, I can see that. I definitely get your point here. Definitely not, you know, not a bad placement. Lady Sif off a discard is drunk Marvel Snap. <laughs> like just, <laughs> hey, hey, I respect it. You love the Lady Sif. And she's got quite, like, her pixel completely underrated. The Venomized Sick. You got the Pan Art Studio. Beautiful. Night Forge. She's got some of the best variants in Snap. Very good. And she, her appearance in Loki Season 1 was actually a fantastic <laughs> scene. They just, just kicking Loki in the yeah. nuts every single time. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Is, that is a tough Lady I would not want to be on the bad side of Lady Sif. That is no question no. at all. This one here could have moved anywhere on this top 10, I feel like. But we ultimately landed on Modoc at number three. And if you have that pixel variant, 
What was that? Oh my god, I actually skipped. I skipped number four. No, Cozy, you're like, right. We're like, actually shit. on number four. We may as well do it together because I ruined the surprise. Morbius at number four. Modoc at number three. I, I did say number three, didn't I? I must have just messed up the numbers. No, all I good. All good, right? It's fun to talk about these two together. Morbius, you don't have to talk about too much. He's a two-cost card that goes way up. He can win a lane by himself. I mean, we're talking two-cost. They've gone away from two-cost carrying games. Morbius still fits that role, right? And, and this... A card of this nature changes an archetype. You add this to move, and all of a sudden you have an archetype and move that's looking a lot better. So, like, truly, you can't sleep on this card. And then to your point, Modoc, Modoc, even with Dependable going down anytime. Like, bro, imagine destroy your entire hand, right? For destroy decks. Like, disc, this is such the enabler. A 5 8's not a bad stat line. You're building in. More often than not, you're building up, you know, the Morbius to our point or a Dracula. So it's not even a 5-8. It's much better than that. And I've always appreciated that Modoc is still rocking the the bull cut. It used to be popular that like, you know, it. and he, he's still like, no, I'm stuck. I'm doing the bull cut. That's all. Is it, you know, I, I do appreciate that. I, really good sense of style. It needs to get some Pepto Dismal though for that diarrhea. But at the end of the day, I think that Modoc number three, excellent card. I think it's going to make a huge comeback with Proxima with other cards that are going to really benefit from that dependable discard. And Mobius is Morbius, sorry, is phenomenal. At number four, for the exact reasons why you said, I thought like when you mentioned move, I feel like they tried to give dagger the Morbius kind of verticality, right? But Morbius is also balanced in the sense where like susceptible to anything that removes ongoing Shang-Chi. Like it, it has like, it has the dark hawk effect where like it can be pumped in all these different ways, right? But you cannot deny how huge it is. Absolutely huge. And the nice thing about Modoc is that Morbius can sit pretty low, then all of a sudden ramp up high in power. And that takes us to the top two, Cozy. Number two is Black Knight. Yep, dude. Black Knight. I mean, oh man, this has got to be one of my favorite cards to come out in a while. I think we've, you know, broken record, but we did say this before. Like, sign me up for more cards that produce token cards. I think it's really, really cool. And they just, they found the spot for Ebony Blade to fit right in the game. You know, definitely it's taken a, a downtrend a little bit maybe to where it was at its at its peak in January, but just so good, man. So solid works the game plan. And again, actually going back to what I said about Blade, the difference maker, if you get him on turn one, you know that you stand at a much higher percent chance to win that game and snap. You only got six turns to do it. Having it right off the rip feels pretty good. And like, yeah, the change to the, the token, the actual Blade itself, making it virtually indestructible was huge and it gave you a ton of variability and like potential to deal with locations whether it be power reducing destroy based locations right because like destroy based locations are a huge benefit of playing destroy you play destroy for a couple days you'll be like wow there's a lot of locations that benefit me right like i, I love playing deadpool into death domain i love de playing deadpool into altar of death i love playing deadpool to all these different things all the time and the ebony blade just says no nah, like i just i just prefer the value right and I think what brought down the win rates and the cube rates a bit, and I, I believe this to be true, is when you have a card or a deck that comes out and it's kind of novel, it's innovative, people aren't used to playing against it and you're able to rip cubes out of their hands. And then once Black Knight got really popular, you know, you made a video about it, I made a video about it, everyone's making videos about it, Black Knight's all over the place. The ability to like predict and retreat and move away, like, oh, okay, well, they got their pop off, yeah. right? Like, and you, you don't give the cubes up. I think the familiarity with the archetype does bring the statistics down over time because people know what to expect. You make a great point. Uh, you could say the same about the NFL, right? There's There'll be these rookie players that pop off, right? They're insane and, and, and they dominate year one. And then the sophomore year is really tough. 
You want to know why? It's because they've got tape on this guy now, right? Like, they know how to play this guy's game where he was brand new before that, right? Like, we see that all the time within the NFL. And it's the same here. You've got something that comes out of nowhere. What do we do? We've seen the tape. We know what to do against it now, right? And their cards, honestly, are number one. You guys aren't going to be shocked here. And Hella, Hella being number one, right? That you can see the tape, right? Maybe like Patrick Mahomes is a You can see the tape. But you can't stop it all the time, right? And that is why it has the edge, I think, a little bit over Black Knight. So what you're saying is that hell is Tom Brady. Because like Tom Brady, like watch Better, Tom Brady's yeah. combine. It's literally a dude in a dad bod running the slowest right. dash you've ever seen in your life. Like I, like I literally could run faster than that. And then like literally just darts, darts, championship winning, perfect clock manage, everything about the game, absolutely perfection. Watch all the tape you want. Just watch him beat you, I guess. <laughs> yes, right. A hundred percent. And that's where Hella is at. And we're going to have to see if she makes it through the patch in the month. But we got the March patch coming up where they could adjust an ability. We have, you know, just an OTA coming around the corner. So we'll, we'll hold on to our hats there for Hella. But overall, I feel like we nailed that top 10 list. I feel like, you know, things could change a little bit with Proxima. Maybe we have some cards sneak in that were like, you know, the Moon Knight, whatever. Probably not. But, you know, it's going to be interesting to test the waters there. Well, there's always been buffs by association. We bring that up all the time, right? Like if Hella is no longer the primary way to play discard and that drops off, then like maybe Gambit makes a comeback. If like Wong based decks are doing well and that might bring Meek into the picture. It's one thing worth knowing though. It's funny how Black Cat was actually one of the highest win rate cards in Snap. Like well, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about like surprising high win yeah. rate cards. Doesn't even make the top 10. Cause like you just, you it's like, it's kind of uninteractive, but it's really just a Hella card. And yeah. I mean, it plays in Black Knight too, but like at the end of the day, it's so crazy how versatile this card has become. It feels like one of the archetypes that has completely changed since beta. Like it's not even the same thing. There's so many variations to this archetype now and Hella, Black Knight and Modoc are a huge component of that. And now we have like ramp, this Troy's already there, discard, like if we get move right, like seriously, like pretty much everything has a, a, a way to contend it. And, and I love to see that, but And I can't see why move would be more problematic than Hella. Like Hella is so uninteractive when you play against it. It's like, well, look at this, right? Like move at least has some like counterplay, you know, shadow Kings and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, we have the release valve of Kingpin. So maybe we need to give move a little more. I mean, they've been trying to, Maybe we're just not giving move enough of a chance. Maybe we need to play a little bit more move. But that takes us to one of our favorite segments of the Marvel Snapchat podcast. And that is the mailbag, Cozy. Mailbag, mailbag. We still don't have our little jingle. We need like a mailbag jingle of some sort. Question number one, Cozy, comes from Slimothy James. I think I said that right. And it reads, how do you make a deck from start to finish? Is there a rough outline you tend to go with? I love this question a lot because I think Cozy is a tremendous deck builder, so I'll give him a chance to get his thoughts in. But the way I do it is I do something called backwards design. I think about what I want my deck to do. What is the win condition? I don't often start at like the one cost. I often start at the six cost. What do I want the deck to do? What do I want the win condition to look like? And then I build that win condition backwards. And then I shape the deck around that. You also have the different packages you can utilize to start building the different decks, the Darkhawk package, the collector package, like Cozy's language in, in his episode was just that. Oh, I think I'm going to cut the collector package. And that's Cozy understanding that you're taking sections of a deck 
and making modifications to maximize each individual kind of packages potential in a given list. So that's the way I do it. I call it backwards design. It's actually, it's actually a teaching term to be honest with you. Cozy, you have some spicy decks too. I'd love to hear your thought process. Yeah, everybody has their own way of doing it, right? I think what you said is, is obviously where I look at it. in a lot of ways too. You look at the win conditions and the play lines and then the current meta, right? And this is where people, if you're more like competitive focus in the game, you know, I look at like, what like tribunal we say 28's the win and i'm like okay so a great example is i've been doing a lot of patriot surfer been loving it to death killer deck so i look at it and i'm like okay great i have about 22 power if i have the pop off of patriot surfer brood right and then you have the absorbing man lane i'm like i have a couple 22 lanes is that enough it's not so do i build something else into it and that's where i need a couple of cards that are flexible always go with the surprise cards as we talked about and that's where hey that deck is insane at priority let's throw a negasonic and a Lyoth, right? There's different packages you can throw in depending on what you don't like or what the meta has in it. So I look at not only my playlines there, but also what are the few combos that I need that aren't crazy that I can reliably get and then obviously surprise the opponent. So a lot there, synergy is a huge focus. And sometimes it doesn't work out. You know, like Shaw was in that deck. And I'm like, well, does in the deck. I have Forge. I'm playing Brood, Absorbing Man. Oh, and, and then also you have Surfer. Why not play Shaw? It's like, well, honestly, Negasonic just filled that spot better. I didn't need more power. I needed a way to stop them from playing, you know, a big card or something like that. So that that's the way that I look at it. It's a lot of, I usually can get 11 or 10 perfect. And then I'm kind of testing that last spot or two to really like solidify the deck. I was just going to say, and the most important part at the end of the day is testing, right? Is the testing and making those minor adjustments. Yeah, we'll get like 10, 11 cards. And it's that one card that really makes a difference. That splash that makes a huge difference. And that takes us to the next question from Melkai. And it reads, on the location cerebral topic from last episode, locations play such a big part in the variance of Snap, sometimes leading to non-games for some deck types. Do you feel that locations should play a large role competitively in the game going forward, or would it be better for a tournament format in the future to limit to predetermined pool of locations for people to build around for an event? I don't think they'll ever do it. If I'm being completely honest, I don't think they'll do that. Do I think it'd be good? Yes. What I don't like is random locations. They're already in there. They can stay in there. X-Mansion, whatever. I, I'm not crazy about like, I don't know. I think there was one like each player gets like six cost card. It's like it, some of those, it's like you get destroyed, you lose the game. It, you did everything right. You know, even Sakaar can be like, oh man, like you can maybe like play with your hand and get a card down that you know is you know, okay. So you have, you know, better cards for that to choose from. I don't love extreme RNG locations. For the, like Ego. Well, I mean, I love Ego. Come on, man. That, hey, respect Ego. You know, come on. And you got to snap on it every time. If you don't snap on Ego, you've lost a friend in myself. Maybe not Alex, but just that, that's probably my, my thoughts there. I like the variance. I'm moving a bit away from the whole hot location thing. I think it was a fun thing in the first year. It just feels like it just continues to fuel some of the better decks sometimes, right? Like cloning vats. I, if I get another cloning vats, it's like, I'm done for that day. Hot location day may as well just be play conquest day. Like yep. it's just, I hate the hot locations yep. as a whole. Like I just don't like it. And it doesn't even like, I don't feel like it encourages proper deck building. I think it just, it really just narrows and niches down everyone's decks for the day. Like it doesn't actually, no one's deck building on that day. It's just like, how can I do the most degenerate thing possible to get the most cubes possible? Then you just mirror match over and over again with something that someone posted on Twitter or something. Yeah, yeah. Like it's just, you, you play it's not what I think it should be. First six hours is whatever benefits off the location. Next six hours is whatever counters that. Like that's it. That's the whole entire, th there you go. There it is. And that's counterproductive. So just my Absolutely. thought there. Yeah, yeah. 
Our next question comes from Kolzak, and it reads, I'm primarily a Destroy player along with what seems to be about half the player base. Why do you think Destroy is so popular despite the many hard counters to the archetype as in Cosmo and Armor? Oh, it's just a good deck, man. I, I don't know if there's that many counters to it, and I personally think it's just straightforward and fun. You're playing with Venom. You're playing with Deadpool. You're playing with Wolverine. You're playing with some awesome, iconic characters. You're killing things. You have ways to have locations on your side. You can get rid of Hobgoblins and, and Green Goblin. There's a lot that goes for Destroy, and, and no question. I think there's just multiple ways to win with that deck, which is why it's so popular. It's really fun. It's surprisingly it's fun. versatile, but it's also, I think it has a very straightforward play pattern. I think the snap conditions are very straightforward. And you know what? I'm okay with, with Destroy being like the barometer of the meta. Like no if Destroy is going to be like what we have to like, okay, this is the deck that's good and we want it to be good, but it also we don't want it to be broken. We don't want it to be bad. If you compare like, hey, is Hella way too bad? It's too much better than Destroy? Then okay, bring Hella down. Like, is, you know what I mean? If it's like the baseline, like good deck, I'm okay with that because I think Destroy's fun. I think it has a lot of iconic characters like you mentioned as well. We, we've actually brought up really elegant buffs a couple times now and Wolverine's another one. What a change they did to Wolverine. Yeah, and like, yeah, yeah. Just making those entire kind of cards more fun to engage with. I mean, and just listen, it's just fun. I think Destroy's great. And if the cubes are there and the win rate's there, then people are going to play it. And even if they're not, I think people are still going to play it anyways. And that takes us to the last question of the day. And it's from Sadel, and it reads, What do you think of increasing hand size as a mechanic? Something like a low-cost card with an ongoing effect, like plus hit one hand size. So your maximum hand size is eight cards instead of seven. Oh, man. I don't know. I don't even know how to answer that. I feel like it would have to be a high cost card if you were going to do that with like terrible power. Uh, I don't know. Like not a super high cost really? card, but like you have to build that into later. But yeah, dude, because what? Even a one zero, everyone's going to play that card. Why would you not? To get more cards in your hand, that's always a good thing. Not always. No, but, but like, yeah, but you have to fill the hand though. Like you need to be moon grilling. You need to be hella carrying. It needs an activator. So if you play it on turn five, like what are you going to do with it? Like I, I, the way I saw this was like, okay, like it's a devil dinosaur card, a collector card. You get a bigger hand size, but it doesn't mean anything's in it. Like you got to put stuff in it. Yeah, but then you would, you will. I don't know. Yeah, that's, that's, I mean, for Moon Girl alone, that'd be crazy. Hey, maybe. I don't know. I feel like messing with that could be, cr I don't know. I mean, you thought about that before. Funny enough, I just like accept the rules as is kind of thing, but not to say it can't happen. No, yeah, that's right. I mean, eventually there's going to be cards that start to test the rules of Snap. And I think this might be one that they end up down. Like there could be a one, two that just makes hand size plus one. Is it really that game breaking? And if it is, then <laughs> nerf the crap out of it, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I like the question. I always like when there's a question of like, oh, I haven't even processed that yet. Yeah, I thought that was a really cool one. And that takes us to the end of the Snapchat this week, guys. Thank you so much for all of your support. Cozy and I genuinely appreciate it. If you find yourself on the audio podcast platform of your choice, we would appreciate if you leave a review. It actually makes a tremendous difference for us, for discoverability, for the whole, you know, the algorithm thing. And regardless, guys, thank you so much for watching. And we'll see you on that next Snapchat episode. Thank you guys so much for hanging out. And until the next one, happy snapping.